0: Step side with Joel Johnson and me, Matt Howey. Each week we talk about truck news, truck related items, our favorite trucks, everything trucks, 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 trucks. Let's go. Didn't, Joel, you're back. It's uh, been a while. Whee! Hey, we're doing it. We're podcasting. Yeah.
1: Uh, I just got back from Overland Expo East one of what I believe is now four Overland Expos they run a year. Mm -hmm, Yeah, Uh, that's
0: a cottage industry.
1: I'm actually currently, uh, there were no cottages there uh, on the back. No,
0: they're on the back of Toyota. That's right.
1: Yeah, I was setting you up and then I took the joke from you. I'll talk about that more later, uh, but I wanted to start by checking in on uh, how's the Howie Jeep experience going?
0: (laughs) Oh, it's going pretty good. So... uh... Yeah, I guess we recorded last like a month ago, but uh, I think I was in the process of seriously trying to buy one. Uh, I eventually found in nationwide searches, which is, this is really funny, jeep.com has an inventory analyzer, uh, you know, like show us what's on lots, you know, anywhere in the country, but with a 250 mile limit. And then I found in a Jeep forum, a guy who came up with every like a GIS guy who came up with a text list of every zip code you should use to do a true nationwide search. I eventually found one in California, um, and then, uh, purchased it over the phone in like a 15 minute call, which is fucking bonkers. Like, you know, fleet manager picks up and it's just like, so you, do you want it or not? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> okay, sure. Um, yeah, I'll send you some like whatever, uh, docu signs in 10 minutes. So then I bought it and then, um, to get it to Oregon, I would hire a truck shipper and like, oh my God.
1: Oh, what are you truck know, shipping rates now? I haven't shipped anything in years.
0: They're pretty cheap. It's, I mean, it's like 500 bucks for a, for one to three states and you know, cross country. I was looking at Florida originally. It was less than 2,000 bucks. It was like 1,500 bucks from Florida to Oregon. Oh, yeah, that's was about like, that what it was even... a few years ago. Yeah. yeah, I was like, that's insane. But the funny part is it's just like the moving. It. You remember from Gawker. Like, anything around residential housing and and agents and moving is just rife with abuse. Like just like you, we all have friends that like had their like storage units, you know, Oh, I had to to chase a guy
1: down who brought my stuff from Oregon uh, and crawl into the back of his truck to pull out more of my stuff where he was like, sorry, that didn't get packed and shipped. And I was like, I'm going to, that guitar is mine. (laughs) That very cool leather jacket, that one's mine. Like, yeah.
0: So what was funny is like, uh, like the dealers in Florida were like, we work with shippers all the time. No problem. We have their numbers. And the dealer, and this was like outside of San Jose was like, Oh, ah, our owner is weird about it. Like we don't want any liability. So you have to find a shipper and I was like, oh God, I'm like trying to buy this thing cash and like just fucking make it easy on me, man. Well, if I think of any shipping companies we people use lately, I'll tell you, but then they never did. So, so I jump on Google, I go like, oh, truck shipping and I'm looking and I'm avoiding, it's just like ad hell. And the top result with like all these reviews was like some nationwide truck shipment thing. And I go, okay, let's do an estimate, California to Oregon. And it turns out that the top result, like this is SEO shit, doesn't own any trucks. It's just a front for like a dispatch for 30. So I my phone just lights up with 30 texts from all these randos just going, hey man, you need to ship a truck. It's literally like some guy's personal phone texting me. Go through all that, I'm just like, this is sketch as hell. And I go to (laughs) Jalopnik, who had articles about like truck shippers you should trust, and their highest rated one, which I don't know if they took money to put. I doubt it. To be honest, it it, it started with like an M, and it looked pretty like nationwide, had good reviews. I go, I I, like go with them, and they're like eh, twenty percent higher, and I'm like, I don't care. I'll pay for quality if if it's something I could trust. And they were pretty like quick and like, you know, it was like Tuesday when I, I bought the, tr- the Jeep and they were like, we can have a dude on, you know, Friday and you'll have the car Saturday because you're only 12 hours driving away. You know, it'll be, this is, we'll find a Oregon company that just goes California, Oregon in trucks. I'm like, awesome. Okay. And then turns out they are also a front to dispatchers, but they did find an Oregon company who did try to um, go down and pick it up for me. And then the funny thing was the Oregon Company, they did give me their name and I looked up their number and like they never answered their phone. Um, they said text us instead. So I texted them and they said this is too difficult of a problem, you need to call us. Their office was only open like six to six AM to like noon or something. It was just really weird hours. So it turned out the first trucking guy, like his truck broke down and it took a week to find a second guy, and then um, and he loaded it up and like the next morning, I just got a call from the most Russian person ever. <laughs> he just said, "Hello, uh, uh, this is truck driver. I have car. I am half mile from house." And I went, "What?" Because like this is really janky. Like I was trying to tell him, like, "Please call me first. We'll meet in this median where you can pull a big truck out of the way." Because there's no room on my property to turn a fucking semi. So eventually, he he was, he didn't understand anything. So. He was like, you know, come meet me. So it turns out he was at the bottom of the hill, like blocking traffic and pulling. <laughs> and my car was in the middle of the truck. And, you know, he had to pull six cars off to get it out. And he goes like, oh, this will take 20 minutes, you know, come back. Uh, and I, yeah, I, you know, I went and fetched some stuff. And in the end, I owed him something like $670 was like the balance I was supposed to pay the shipper. And I had like 750 bucks in cash on me. And I was like, here you go. And he goes this is too much and i go yeah yeah it's a tip you can keep it he goes this, this money just goes to car shipping company and i was like no it's cash dude you Yeah, just put, put it put in, your 50 in your pocket and then get the change from them when you give them. he's like i don't understand you know here are the keys and then so then i got it yeah and then i uh put 35s on it in the first day you had showed up a week early yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's been great. It is very much uh it's a, it's um uh it's a hobbyist uh, kind of car. It feels fun. It's a platform. Um the thing that cracks me up is there's so many fucking dad jokes and easter eggs and all that shit, you know, all the Jeep lore. Uh-huh. Like even the color of it is like one of those cementy like Nardo grays and it's called Sting Gray. So you have to say it's like Stingray, like it's a Corvette joke buried in a Jeep color. Why would you fucking do that, you idiots?
1: Yeah, Jeep has a lot of, like they have Tuscadero pink, like they have. A, yeah, each, right, yeah. Right. Know, I actually yes. like that name, but
0: like, <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's so all jokes many. all the way down. It's all dad jokes all the way down. But uh, yeah, so far, uh, I'm slowly building up probably in about two months. i will probably be ready for like a full-on Moab trip. Like have have, you know, I found guys in Canada who do like, Perfect lifts on the electric platform, and then
1: how different is it, the powertrain, like or the suspension rather, with the electric powertrain?
0: Uh It's not that different. It's just it's a weight issue, right? There's a ton of there's like 800 pounds in the rear. The spring so, weights have to be heavier. Yeah, and, stuff. and so yeah. most of it's like you have to use like the diesel, which has a heavier front, like like springs. Uh, that way, but there's also this like weird drive shaft issue with just the four by E because. Um, The transmission has a second electric motor in it, which is super bizarre, and you can't re-gear it. Like, it's the only Jeep that you cannot re-gear. It comes with 410s, which is pretty okay mid-range gearing, but you can't put, like, a 456 or 512 gears in it or 488s um, because it fucks up all the electronics and, like, no, the ABS would work. So, like, even – yeah, every I've been on forums, and, like, the only people have done it, they've ripped out the entire system, put it back in, and there's, like, no – electronic stability control at all if you yeah it's not gear. worth it i mean so gearing, it's gearing yeah, it's is like nice bigger tires, is not...
1: but like you'll yeah. make it up with the hybrid system the guys like... in
0: canada tested it up to 38 inch tires they're like okay you lose a little low end but you still got electric motor torque it's still like yeah. impressive it's better than a normal jeep uh it is weird this it's like hard to find parts a little bit for it because kind of a new platform it's only been around for what, a year or two and it's clear like jeep is running uh I feel like there's probably some EPA rules that are about to kick in. You know, like they're terrified of like 2025 or whatever because they are, um, you, they're not, they're no longer taking orders for the Hemi Jeep. Like those things are going for over a hundred thousand dollars now because they're basically not going to make anymore because they get 12 miles a gallon. Uh, and then they just said they just announced they canceled the eco diesel in all jeeps. Yeah. Like that no, The powertrain basically...
1: is switching over. I mean, I, I yeah. think a lot of it is. You know the ira the inflation reduction act like restructured uh how the the incentives are going to happen and but I, I think a lot of it's just a lot more prosaic which is you can only build so many engines and if they're making commitments to switch to evs like they you know you can't keep making all this other stuff i also suspect that that uh Stellantis, fca whatever uh is Squeezing a fair amount of money out of enthusiasts for all their like last edition, whatever. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know, there's been yeah. on the Challenger last Hellcat. Yeah, yeah, it's like there's
0: so many. Which like you know, I get, and then really like, the, makes sense. Well, I was reading that, I was just like, oh god, dumb nostalgia. Like the last Hellcat V eight seven hundred horse, and it's like we're gonna go all electric in two years, and I was like that is going to be a fast fucking car. Like, whenever they make a Hellcat Electric, you probably don't want a gas car anymore. Like, that's going to be incredible. so Yeah,
1: we're going to go through a run of stuff like the Hummer EV, which I finally got to check out in person uh, this uh, last week, but where it's like, yeah, it's EV, but it's also just about, like, putting as much power down and not worrying about efficiency as yeah. possible It's like, a showcase.
0: The funny thing is the Jeep is dumb. It's, it's, a, it's a fucking 5,000-pound brick with no fucking air resistance at all uh and I, it comes with a smallish battery that adds 500 pounds i get 25 miles of electric range but the funny thing is it's like um you know i live an hour from portland in a little town and it's you know i do these little five mile drives three times a day always on electric pure i'm on my first i've gotten one take of gas and i'm at like 850 miles on the car it's like whatever, getting 30 to 50 miles a gallon because I'm just doing short, like every short trip. The funny thing is it has a hybrid mode, pure electric mode and like save the battery mode. But the hybrid mode, you'd think it would be more prius where it just kicks in once in a while. But it just, it just like goes hard electric until the battery's zero then it just goes to gas motor, which is the same <laughs> setting as if you put pure electric, it like never starts the motor unless you floor it or you run out of power. Um, but the hybrid, it's just like like I drove, I made one you know hundred mile trip in it. I was just like, huh, the battery is just like we're on the freeway in pure electric. I'm going, this isn't efficient. Like go to the gas engine. We're going sixty miles an hour, and I was just waiting until it got to one percent battery, and then it was like turbo kicks in. And I drove like, an I-, I
1: three once on a on a just around Kansas City. My friend had one, but it had the little. Uh, the motorcycle engine, engine yeah. yeah the Rex in the back and it was kind of a similar thing where you're like man this is a great little platform i i loved the design of those i thought they were underrated uh and then all of a sudden you're like oh battery's getting low when is this thing gonna kick on and all of a sudden you just hear da, 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 like you're coming out of <laughs> the back it's like oh
0: now apparently it's coming on now yeah the sound of shame when i was like pulling home from portland to, a trip from my house to portland and back was 75 miles and it like maybe 72 tops you know it was all it could hold. And then it would be like, yeah, the last five miles would be like gang, 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 gang. But you're
1: proving my point. And it's funny, this is literally, I'm writing a, a roundup post for the uh, Autopian about Overland Expo and was talking about the new GM twins that I saw release the Canyon. And I'm like, I, plug-in hybrid is that, I mean, that is the choice for today. Like I'm pro right. EV, I'm glad we're heading the right direction. Like, cool, EV, well, it, it's for for almost you know 99% of people, I think it's fine, but like for me, and what mm-hmm. I would like right now for the next five years, I want plug in hybrid because yeah. I'm going to bop around town on EV juice. And then, but when I
0: want to go, I just road want trip. To go. You road yeah. trip on the gas. Yeah. I mean, nobody likes to add complications to their rigs, right? Everyone wants a simple, straight axle, dumb 70s, 350 <laughs> engine. But so it's, it's dumb that we have like these two engines there's an electric engine, there's a gas engine. It overcomplicates things, but it makes this really versatile car, which is pure EV in town and you can go on thousand mile road trips anytime you want. So like I feel like it's gonna be the stopgap measure for the next ten years. Like like so Jeep had a four by E day where they like debuted like wagoneers and everything's gonna have a four by E platform. I think because of EPA rules where their fleet needs to get at least thirty miles a gallon in the next ten years or five years. So they're adding all this electrification, but, and then they announced, like, what is it called? The recon. Like, this is something I want to talk about. Like, this, did, did you see the Jeep recon mock ups and stuff?
1: I'm, I saw the first, the mock ups, but I don't know if I'm up to date. Tell me what, tell so me So it's announced.
0: like, they, they sort of debuted, like, all these actual models that are coming out in the next three to six months. You know, there'll be a four by E version of pretty much every Jeep eventually. But then they showed this, like, they're like, this is a year or two out, 2024, maybe we'll be ready to show this. And it was like, it looks like a, what's the tiny one? The Renegade. It looked like a Renegade, but blown up. So it's this very square-bodied four-door. And they said, like, this is going to be a pure electric. It's going to be Rubicon Trail possible. Like, it's going to be at the level of Wrangler. We're not going to call it a Wrangler. We're calling it Recon because this is a new platform. And it did have, like, independent front and rear suspension. Which is going to be weird because Jeeps are, like, 1800s technology. <laughs> um but I was just looking at going, and there's, so like, it's going to be 300 miles, it's going to have like crazy crawl control, it's just going to be like, you know, our Jeep designers are going to design all the computer systems, so it's going to know how to really rock crawl and put power to each motor, four motors, you know, and I was just thinking, like, last time I was in Utah, like, you couldn't get a cell signal on half of the trails, like, there was no electricity at the hotels, like, there's some little like they made a little demo jeep like in some parking lot somewhere. There's a free plugs for these jeeps so they could show it off at um, Easter Safari Jeep Week. Um, but like I'm just like there's just no way. There's like I'd have to trailer it like a rock crawler. Like I have like there's no there's no electricity in the middle of nowhere. There won't be for ten years. Like
1: not in the like, remote places. I, yeah. You know, like, I, I actually had done so all of my work uh, in this. On a corporate side is many years out of date and then uh, a friend of mine and i had run some models a few years ago about like where it would make sense especially in small towns like our, our whole we, we spent like i don't know three or four days going is this a business model uh and the answer was yes maybe but not for us because we're not good at the things you would need to be good at but it was like is it possible to go get state or federal subsidies for a lot of these small? Towns, basically a Route 66 for the 21st century, which is yeah, like, how do idea. you get, how do you get uh, a parking lot with some restaurants and maybe some activities and a boatload of electricity for all these EVs that'll be coming around? And uh, the only way to do it was going to be with, you know, with state, with subsidies. Like, you just, yeah. it, it would have to be done, but there was money, you know, to be, to be out there. But even with all of that, we were looking at cities that were like. 20 miles off of the, the 10s interstates, right? Like Mm -hmm. not like far enough off that it was a detour, but not so far off that it was remote. Mm -hmm. And even with that, like uh, when you're out in, how, how many times are you out in a truck in, you know, the sticks and like, I can't get, like, I'm not sure this 89 octane is even like good you know it's (laughs) like i think this tank was filled up like two years ago uh like i have no idea if any of this is you know how much water is in this or whatever and so it's like you know we're still at that point from an energy infrastructure and from the idea that like oh yeah i'm gonna go into an all-electric jeep but i'm still gonna go off-road it's a rivian problem it's all of it like we'll see and yes the answer is eventually this stuff will get there but like it's years and years and years it's, yeah, it's beyond it's beyond what the life cycle is for a normal vehicle. even yeah. if the life cycle for a vehicle now for Americans, I think it's at 11 years or something like that. yeah, it'll just be kind of starting to get okay at that point.
0: Rivian keeps talking about their adventure network, you know they're gonna put chargers in all these cool places like Yosemite and it's like so far I've seen I've heard of you know when I'm watching YouTube videos, people reviewing Rivian's. Like one person stumbled upon one in the back of like a Bed Bath & Beyond in a parking, like in a shopping mall.
1: Well, it's fine. They they have
0: a bunch of chargers
1: in Venice, in Los Angeles, which is where most overlanders, you know, start.
0: You got to dip the tire in the ocean and go.
1: (laughs) I actually saw one of the biggest like announcements, it was the first time anybody had actually seen the rigs in person at Overland Expo. Was this company called Potential Motors, which was showing uh, off, yeah. um, as far as machines go, a very cool machine, which was a UTV sized van with like gull wing doors, completely EV powertrain. Um, steel steel frame it was like a ladder frame with uh i believe a fiberglass body on Are top they of it. Saying
0: street legal is that so street
1: it legal? is not and so when you uh, were like hey this is something you'd yeah, have to trailer, trailer to to a place uh, that was basically what they were saying too, is like, well, you can't, UTVs aren't street legal. This isn't street legal, but it's a UTV, but you can camp in it. It's like a little
0: nicer. $136,000. Yeah.
1: So the, for a I,
0: UTV. Like if this just, was 50 grand, I'd be like, this is not a terrible idea. It's not great. Let,
1: let me take the pro side of this uh, of this whole business model for a second and these products, because uh, first of all, the company's based in New Brunswick. So like instantly I'm like, ah. My sweet Canadian little dollars.
0: Canadian guys,
1: like <laughs> I hope you do well. Like, and I mean that sincerely. Like, you know, they 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 should do some cool stuff. Oh my god! And then they were very upfront about the fact that they were effectively building these campers, of which they're only saying like we might build a hundred total, to d- serve as like a platform and test bed for mm-hmm. their UTV and an EV UTV yeah. system, which isn't just the powertrain, but it's also like sensor packages so that, you know, you don't have to go into modes, that it can like automatically read the terrain with LiDAR and cameras and all of, you know, whatever it might be. And I got a little more sympathetic or open uh, because I really did, I was walking through, it was one of the first uh, things that you saw when you kind of walked down the promenade at at Expo East and talked to them, I was like, how much is this thing? And they were like $136,000. And I was immediately
0: like, (laughs)
1: Oh, so it, so this isn't going to work at all. Like, so like,
0: <laughs> so this is a vanity project. Yeah. It's like rich, rich weirdos. Of, and
1: it, I mean, they took a bunch of venture capital from like Mark Benioff and, and a bunch of other people, <laughs> like, you know, they're, they're well-funded, but they have, their model makes a lot more sense when you actually talk to them, which is yeah. to go like, we're not necessarily trying to be a UTV company, but like as UTVs switch over to EV powertrains and they didn't, This is. Not names they mentioned, but you know, your Honda Power Polaris. Sports or your Polaris or Can Am or whatever, maybe like, hey, we'll license this platform or the technology. They're, they're going to be like a tier one, like a Magna or something. When right? you showed
0: like, that, that picture, did you text me a picture of it or something? And it was like, I thought it was one of those canoes, you know, those weird, like, yeah. pill shaped cars, but it was smaller, but it looked as cool as those, like with all kinds of gear and shit. It is funny, like, I have a Polaris. Razor, not Razor, Polaris um, side-by-side like for farm work. And uh, the electric ones are the same price as the gas ones. And I always wondered why the person who bought this house, this property bought a gas one at the time because the same price they could have had it, but they were lead acid batteries. (laughs) And so these are like 12 to 15 grand for buying like a new super utilitarian side-by-side. Uh, If you want lithium-ion, it's (laughs) $26,000, and it's like, oh, dang, and you don't need range. I mean, I'm only on five acres. I only need five miles of range for a year of driving i living. mentioned this
1: on the podcast before so i won't go down it but like the my cousin and uncles you know the super big off-roaders and like they they use utvs for fun off-road right mm-hmm. it's like they've got flatbeds they've got you know f350s or whatever yeah. they you know have at the time and they haul their gear out to colorado trails or whatever and then they go bop around for two or three days in their utvs and it's extremely practical, rational choice. And I will say when I was looking at the potential motors, the adventure one is what the van's called. I was like, rich guy toy, but let's presume I was a rich guy. I'm like, it would be cool to be able to go to a UTV only trail. Both in capability or maybe even you know it's it's restricted only to TVs. Yeah, and be able to be still in a van something that has a bed something that has a little kitchen that you <laughs> can <maker>. do right <laughs> yeah spa infrared spa a blender uh, yeah.
0: margarita spout uh, like
1: it like I get it like it's kind of fun and and I, but I do think of the product the product marketer in me goes okay. How many people are there out there in the world or in the United North America that's gonna do that? About 100. You guys are gonna build about 100? Okay, like your product market fit. Like that sounds <laughs> that sounds pretty good. But they were super nice guys and I will throw in one last thing that all Canadians that I've met the last couple of shows I've been to have been so good about and this is for future me and future podcast episodes to talk about. But when I tell them, "Hey, I finally put down roots in New England, and there's not that much, you know, wilderness to get into," um, I'm, and I and I got to start exploring Canada and the eastern provinces, and all of them just constantly have been like, "Go here, go here!" Uh, like you gotta, you got here's here's a town to check out. There's trails that come from here. Like uh, I am really, really looking forward to the next few years of exploring up in Canada. And in fact, like I kind of invited myself to Potential Motors. They were not like, come up anytime." I was (laughs) like, I'm going to come up at any time and visit the factory and and see what you guys are doing. But it was really just to be like, I'm going to start taking some trips up there because, as you know, I told you like a month ago and part of it was just for work reasons, but I was really planning on taking the 911 all the way to Portland, basically, and and back and Practicality was work stuff wouldn't let me do it and then I needed to switch tires yada yada, but a big part of it was from where I'm at to get to the good stuff Which I would say is Montana Wyoming Colorado where it starts to get Four pretty days. and fun. <laughs> yeah, it's at least it's at least three days of hard driving to get to that and I'll do it again like I like long miles but it, it, it does just from being able to take time off I'm like well that's a whole extra week just in cornfields and suburbs to like get to the good Where stuff before be. I go yeah. and you know if I do that once a year great but like in the meantime I can <laughs> point north during the good seasons the warm seasons and and go a little further uh, you want to hear about other stuff I saw
0: Open yeah, the yeah. These Overland Expos, I think, are strange. They remind <laughs> me of like the Maker Fair in that, you know, it's kind of like um, a cash bonanza for anyone who's an exhibitor, but then they also bilk the exhibitors for as much, fleece them for as much money as they can to be there. But like, this is all high dollar stuff, and these are impulse to buy. Like, it, it was a crack up that you could buy some things like live in person. Like, because I thought I, I sort of approached it, I'd never been to one before this summer. I purchased as like, you know, you probably just like look at rooftop tents and touch them and you think about, it goes into your research file in your head. But I was, I was amazed at how many people were just like selling like Cordura bags and, you know, like outdoor grills and like here for 800 bucks, we'll sell it to you for 200 bucks less than list. And I was like tempted a few times mm-hmm. to almost buy stuff. And I was just like, holy sh... And the, the one in Bend was so large. I mean, it was on the biggest like state fairgrounds in the world and it just... You had to walk them like we had to park a mile away and then trams there was it was just so immense uh how was the east coast one was uh, it in the hudson valley somewhere
1: no no it was in virginia uh they they'd been at the biltmore uh. estate for several years i'd gone to a couple down there and then uh this was on a private farm it was like oak ridge farm or something like mm-hmm. that but i mean when i say private farm i mean it was like in a, it's an estate right uh and uh You know, East is never as big as the West Coast ones. There's, you know, East Coast overlanding is almost an oxymoron. Like, there's just not as much (laughs) ORV parks, and people not public land, and, you know, it's hard to I remember from
0: hiking that, like, you know, the West is the Wild West, right? And we're still mapping, you know, paths from Canada to Mexico over unincorporated land that's been sitting for 500 years Mm -hmm. without being touched versus when you do the Appalachian trail, you just go between neighborhoods in like yeah. Georgia because people have been living there for three to 500 years. Like yeah, yeah, the
1: Appalachian trail, the trails that I just go hiking on for fun, like, you know, where I'm like, hey, Crystal, let's go yeah. hike this afternoon or whatever, are parts of it are on the Appalachian. I mean, it's like segments of it. So um, yeah, I mean, it was good. It was, you know, there's two things that I, I did come away with. One was uh, that a lot of people are there to shop. Like you were saying, I ended up camping, uh, with the, uh, like in the same lot where people could buy camping stuff and, and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, roll their rigs up. Um, and, uh, the first night hanging out, uh, with, you know, just my neighbors, like just saying to hi, somebody lit a little propane fire and was there. Uh, that was all they were initially talking about before we got to, Trump and politics and, you know, the media, but like uh, the first night was all just them being like, well, what'd you buy last year? Was it any good? Like, should I get this? And so I hadn't realized how many people were there to shop because I have mm-hmm. always shown up uh, this kind of same way to be like, I want to check out rigs
0: and mm-hmm. I want to
1: check out and, you know, sometimes you see builds or new products and that's cool. But I never, you know, I always either showed up in something that was done or was just popping in for an afternoon and, and hanging out. Uh, but the, you know, I don't have a problem with it. It's cool. Like if people can get a, a deal, like a big swap meet, that makes sense. <laughs> and then the other thing in, in defense of, uh, Overland Expo is for years and they continue to have them is there's a lot of classes and training there that, uh, you know, go anywhere from, uh, here's, you know, oh, so you gotta make a log bridge. Like here's how to make a log bridge. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, a lot more stuff that is of the old overlanding school. And by old, I mean ten or fifteen years ago, where it's like, so you're traveling through Belize. Like, here's <laughs> yeah. what you need to know about, like, insurance. Here's how to deal with the local police. Like,
0: uh, here's, how to, here's how to find a local fixer in these. That's right, countries. And, and and that
1: stuff is super useful. It's almost always from like community led or or like guides and fixers maybe who do it. Um, it's a, it's a good show. It's a good scene. Uh, the other thing that came up that that night uh, was sitting around the fire and and. Uh, all these guys are like man it's so quiet like i can't believe that there's you know this was the first night it was open to the public i think there was probably if i'm guessing 4 300 400 trucks like all parked together and and it was it was like whisper quiet
0: hmm.
1: not a lot of people yelling like uh, all this stuff and, and it was people like man this is such a quiet campground and then everybody it kind of dawned on us all at the same time it's like Oh, it's because we're all old men like <laughs> it's like everyone here is probably like yeah. the median age is probably you know 55 uh and uh but it's still a good scene i i actually am writing uh, i'm writing up a, a second piece for Autopian about just kind of cool things i saw uh and uh and a little bit of the scene and and you know i do think by and large my feel my feeling with overlanding stuff will always be, I think like, there's some people that are really truly into overlanding that like drive thousands of miles, stay on the road for months. Those people are the true overlanders. Like those are the Travis Pastranas of overlanding, <laughs> right? And and that that's where it started, but it is turned into fancy camping that's based out of trucks. And I don't have a problem with that stuff either because for every, you know, Rally racer out there that sells a thousand red mud flaps for a WRX. Like, if people are having fun, if it's not hurting anything, fine. Uh, and also, I do find that the community tends to be, no matter what their political leanings are pretty good about uh they remind me a lot of like modern hunting communities like <laughs> backcountry hunters and anglers and stuff where it's like big on conservation we're s- big on conservation yeah. big on leave no trace like they yeah. they understand they need to like you know be good representatives of the community uh but i saw some cool stuff there uh i uh it was it was mostly i would say total unscientific guess half easily and maybe more like two thirds of the vendors were like regional or small upfitters and outfitters. So it'd be like uh, the the boys that I know at Mainline Overland uh, were there. And then it was like, I saw a company uh, that was just doing upfitting for late model defenders based out of Virginia. Wow. Um, and then a lot of like, what I think a are- a million
0: sprinter vans, right? Sprinter van people
1: not unless it's not it's not van, it's not a van it's not a van culture out here uh, like okay. uh you don't have as many people living out of these things you have a lot of people going out for two or three days and so yeah. what what you what i saw the most of in the park in the car park was uh good amount of broncos uh a ton of tacomas that had either bed racks with rooftop tents on the bed, or a few people that had like bigger, like habitat style, like fold out situations, a uh, good amount of land cruisers, uh, but but not like crazy rigs like you see on the West Coast. I mean, there were obviously were some of those, but not, not as many like either half million dollar earth roamer style things, or, you know, $200,000 completely, Kitted flatbed, you know, pop up, fold out the whole deal. It Did was, uh, was
0: Earth Roamer things like on display. I don't think Earth Roamer was oh. there.
1: There was a couple because of companies like, that were similar, yeah. but not Earth proper.
0: Like the West Coast, because everyone's in Utah, Colorado, or Montana with those super luxury outfitters, there were a billion things. And the, the sticker prices, you know, I still, like, I'm a kid of the 70s, like, Say,ing a car costs one hundred thousand dollars is a really big deal to me. Yeah, like that's got to be the greatest car ever. And then some of those Earth Roamers, I mean, they start at five hundred, and they'll say this one's seven fifty, this one's eight fifty, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is a really great house in almost any city in America. Like, bonkers.
1: You know, with those two though, I, and my slight time in the rv industry and realizing how much class a's cost from the premium class a the bus chassis like things yeah Yeah, you can get up into that same price range and what ends up happening i'm not saying any of these things aren't the domain of you know the privilege like they they are but you do have a lot of people who also are like i sold my house right and i bought this like class a or i bought this earth roamer or whatever and the thing especially class a is not as much but with with earth roamers is if you buy it for eight hundred thousand dollars, you can probably sell it for seven hundred thousand yeah. dollars. You know when you're ready in two or three years. So as far as if you've I know got one the capital to that- do it.
0: Yeah, I know one person that owns one and they were like former tech CEO that got bought out twice. (laughs) And like, that's the only reason. And it's still crazy that they can fucking shower in the middle of BLM land in the middle of nowhere.
1: They're they're lovely. I would would use the hell out of one, uh, one of those big truck platforms, but uh, I will never, one, be rich enough for one, and two, like, if I only get to have one thing, I don't want a F550 chassis, like, you can't three, drive in a city. eight miles yeah. to the gallon, can't yeah. go anywhere else with it. Which, to that end, I did finally get to see the Canyon ATX4 in person, which is oh, like, cool. at the moment, even though it's unlikely that I'm going to buy one, uh, like it's kind of the top of my shadow ranks or whatever, uh, didn't get to open it up. Did they, didn't, they had it locked up when I was there, and I asked the booth people was like somebody got the key and they're like oh we know the interior's
0: not the interior's fiberglass uh
1: but uh weirdly didn't like it as much in person but not because the design didn't work it was because it felt small to me and i know (laughs) that i'm saying that about a mid-sized truck but that was sort of (laughs) weird where i was like and right next to it was a silverado at4 and like I was like, "Am I going to buy a full-size
0: truck? Is that actually going to happen?" <laughs> oh, no. Uh,
1: so we'll see, but it's still very handsome. They had the Hummer EV, which like uh I just kind of popped inside. Uh I don't unless I think I'm actually going to write something up, I don't tend to bother the booth people to like interrogate them and then yeah. frankly on something like that, none of those people working booths are going to have anything. Like they're often just either third parties that get hired or they're low-level PR people who you know no, not dissing anybody but it's just like they don't have any information i don't I can't just find online yeah. uh hummer ev has zero appeal to me it was like yeah. kind of funny that i like i it was the first one i've ever seen with my eyes and i just was like yep there it is and then was like i should probably go look at it like just to play with it um, and then Ford had a bunch of Broncos. I'm over Broncos, not 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 in a bad way. I just like i see a million of them. I know what they can do. Uh, I uh, I think the Heritage Edition that was something people were like. Oh, they have a Heritage Edition there, and I'm like, I think those are ugly. I've decided. I just it's like <laughs> it's I just kind of
0: stickers th- and steel wheels. Yeah, it's
1: white it's and, like, and it's eh. like, like it. it's nothing is appealing to me. Uh, the the cool things that I saw though that I was actually pretty uh, into to seeing, and I'm an underdog you know, fan always. So that's just where I, I tend to gravitate. Uh, Enios was there with the uh, version of the Grenadier uh-huh. uh, or Grenadier, I believe is how they say it. Uh, and uh, it was a mule that had been built or a test model that they said was like a year and a half old. And you could tell like a lot of the interior panels were 3D printed. Uh, I started messing around with the switch gear inside and like the switches fell off in my hand, which like, again, not dissing anything. They were totally up yeah, about about Like, Yeah. Like this is not a working vehicle. It's a photo car. Uh, it's, uh, it's really cool. I have to say, like, I have no desire to have a BMW powered, uh, like defender clone, but they absolutely have set off to do like they're, they're they're smart for building these like i do think they'll sell a bunch i think there is still a market for them and i will uh i won't go any further into this because i could talk about it all day but the switch gearing uh, the switch gear in the center console and then they have a whole row of switches above it's just like that quasi military industrial stuff with like big hard switches with like a i don't know what you call the the little Switch tiny cover. tubes that are like yeah like affordances on the side that like yeah. guide your your fingers. I love the way that looks like to the point where I was like I want to put that. That's what I want the inside of the nine eleven to look like. Like I want <laughs> you, I want to get inside of the nine eleven raw aluminum. I want it to look like a forty year old tank. You know like <laughs> I just want like rivets and all this stuff. Uh, they were very cool. Uh, I, I ran into a company that I thought had done something new. And and then unfortunately the guy was like, no, we launched this two years ago, but they're, they're Hmm. small, uh, a company called TerraPod, which, uh, makes rooftop tents and the guy's an ex Boeing engineer. Uh, and so he was just, everything was extremely high, uh, or low tolerance, uh, laser cut aluminum panels that were all connected. Uh, not cheap, uh, from a mechanism standpoint, it's just a rooftop tent. Like they pop up, but the thing that caught my eye, uh, that I want, and I'm not going to buy it cause I don't need it, but he made it or makes a single person version of his rooftop tent.
0: Oh yeah. It's really narrow.
1: And so for things like, you know. I have a rooftop tent and drove the 911 down there with the rooftop tent, which I'll talk about in a second. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, Oh man, if I really was going to leave a rooftop tent on the 911 semi permanently, that's the one right there. It's like about the size of a backpacking tent, like a single person backpacking tent. I'm six, three. The guy uh, who owns the company said he's six, five and he built it for him. So he's like, I can fit in there. Uh, but I think the MSRP on it was like thirty five hundred bucks or something, yeah. and I'm like, ah, I mean, like a
0: full width one is only forty two hundred bucks. Yeah, no, he's definitely so you're like paying, pricing you're it, paying double for half as much, right? right? He's he's pricing but it. that,
1: uh, but it's that it doesn't
0: was, take up your whole roof rack though. Doesn't take have up other your whole stuff. rack.
1: You could have a Plano case or something on the side. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really cool company. Really uh, good stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, totally typifies the overlanding world though, where it's like. There's five million places you can buy a, a rooftop tent, but somebody went. I can do it a little better, and you know went out and did it. And so, yeah. uh, Terrapod stuff. You know, this is not a, a recommendation. I've never used one, but uh, the guy who founded it was very, uh, very nice and very welcoming. And uh, I do have to say, having put my hand on it and crawled into a couple of them, I'm like, yeah, laser cut. Uh, stamped uh, aluminum is pretty freaking nice if you're gonna have a hard with roof tub. It
0: rails on it already. Like that is a really versatile piece of kit.
1: It's nice. Like if money yeah. no object, and that was the style of tent that I preferred, like I would definitely be be looking at them.
0: A... <laughs> there's a little message of how small of an operation are. We? we only have 14 tents we're gonna make in the rest of this year. Like that's one a week or something. It's all we can actually produce. That's.
1: Amazing. I mean, you know, I I when I put aside the you know, my, my day job is that I go in and I have like cuck relationships, subdom relationships with like, <laughs> m- you know, millionaires and hopeful billionaires. And I go, Hey, dipshit, like, this is what you need to do. Here's what the world thinks about your product. No one wants your product or here if somebody does want this product, whatever. But you know, as a tinkerer and as a person that loves small manufacturing, like I, I really enjoy going to shows like Expo East to be like, this guy thought he had a better idea and God bless, he's selling them. He's making them, you can buy them from him. And is it going to turn into a, a full-time job, massive company? Maybe, maybe not. But like that kind of stuff is, you know, that's what I do all day with my free time is I dream up dumb little projects and I try to figure out how to make them. And I, and I'm not good at it but I've done it enough to know how hard it is. And so when I see people actually get something across the finish line, I I have a lot of sympathy. Oh my Uh, God. Which brings me to the other thing. I was super stoked, Uh, didn't even realize they were gonna be there until I uh, was like, the day before I left, I looked at the attendee list and was like, oh crap, Skinny Guy is gonna be here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I talked to Skinny Guy before. I talked to the co-founder whose name, unfortunately, uh, Jason. JB Bontrager, uh, I ended up talking to him for like an hour, uh, really interesting guy. I won't blow up his spot cause we talked a lot about a bunch of different things, but, um, really got to put my hands on, uh, and crawl around and kick, uh, the skinny guy stuff with JB inside for like an hour. He was super chill and generous with his time. Product guy in me goes, man, price points are still nuts. I don't know how many people really need a maximalist featured, but minimalist from a spacing issue, hardcore off-roading built. Like, what's the market for this
0: product? I'm not sure. (laughs) I mean, they're like 15, right? 15, 20. It's like
1: 15 to get in the door, but then when you start adding heaters and all the other stuff, it gets. You can go well into. I think. I think they're fully kitted is like over 30. Um,
0: but, oh, my God. His family ran Jayco. Yeah, first. his family, his oh. grandfather
1: started Jayco. That's why he's in Indiana. I was like, is
0: he the Bontrager from the Bontrager family, which is like part of Trek cycling yeah. brands and stuff? But no, no. No, it's, they, they
1: sold Jayco to Thor, I think. Yeah, Thor, ah. uh, like 10 years ago. And so he's one of the scions of that family. His yeah. grandfather and father ran it for several years. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> They're, man, they're great, though. Like, the, the engineering thinking in it is fantastic. It's doesn't just it, Doesn't
0: it look like it shouldn't work when you see it fully maxed out? Like- and,
1: well, and he had shown, uh, so one of the ones I spent the most time in, they had some full-size ones there. Uh, they had uh, one that was on, I think it was on in Tacoma. I, I apologize for not remembering, but it was a, a mid-size one. And uh, the fold out, the, the way the, the tent framing has to work on the smaller bed sizes was a lot more complex than the full size one. And he was showing me like how they were, how they had had to do some of the rigging and, and, and stuff inside to make it work. They're just great. Like it is a, not a money, no object, but kind of money, no object. Like how do we cram as much utility into the smallest space as possible while still making it relatively comfortable? Uh, they're building one for the four and a half foot beds of Rivian. Um, and you know, another thing too, and I'm actually, uh, selfishly again, you know, I do, I like cover this stuff for places like Autopian or write it up mm-hmm. when I can, largely just as an excuse that I get to go talk to people that run these businesses, not cause I think I'm going to work with them in the future, but I just yeah. like to learn like how, how does this work? And one of the things that he was telling me about, JB was telling me about was just, you know, the fact that they're laser cutting a bunch of this stuff. And there's a ton of that because he's in Indiana where the RV industry is based. There's a ton of suppliers. And obviously he has connections to those folks. It's like, you know, the supply chain for this thing is, you know, they design it and the work goes into the design, but it's not like they have to pre- manufacture a ton of these, you know, like they can basically just go to their suppliers and say, okay, I got another 10 orders ready, like make me 10 and not, they don't have to make 10,000 right. before they go to market. So that kind of stuff is really useful. Um, I did come out of that show going, if I were, if I were, if I were rich enough that I could have it, uh, I would almost certainly get one. It doesn't have the room that the, 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 Habitat has, which I I still, to this day, like a go fast, if go fast, or uh, I can't remember the flip out camper that's up in Portland, but another, uh, it's like Pacific, something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh There's, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. That, that style to me, like the fancy camper shell is still my preference, but especially the ones that do the 180 flip where the bed goes out over the front or the back, they all go over the back now for whatever reason. That to me is still what I like because you get a giant space once you open it up. I don't think it's any harder to open and close a 180 flip than it is a pop-up. Um, and you can and, and I will kit out the inside modularly however I wanna do it and I like doing that. But uh, if I had the money, like something like a skinny guy, I would absolutely take one around because the fact that you get what they call the basement, which is the foot and a half or whatever underneath the the camper, which slides in and mounts to the bed rails. Uh, and on the bigger ones, they like basically have like really hardcore ratchet straps that like lock everything in. You get all that space for either just kind of random garbage space to throw gear or bags or whatever in, or you could put a deck under there, one of the, the bed drawer <laughs> systems and keep it a little more organized. And he also was telling me, I'm actually breaking news on the on the Stepside podcast, Uh, and I asked him too. I was like, "Are you okay with me telling this to people? Because you're not there yet." And he's like, "Yeah, it's fine. Nobody cares." Uh, But they're uh, putting together a prototype of a tow along trailer that has all the mounts for the skinny guy. so you could choose if you bought one to put it on a trailer, and then if you decided that you wanted to put it into the bed and put other stuff on the trailer. It's just that optionality of like, okay, I can wow. put it in these different places. Legos. Legos. Yeah. That's amazing. Really cool stuff. I'm gonna, uh, hopefully the next time I do a Midwest run, uh, pop over and, and and take a look at them more. I'll probably take one out and hopefully review it at some point.
0: Uh, I'm surprised with the uh, connections to the RV industry where I feel like RV rental is a big market that like, um, instead of buying a $25,000 tent, <clears throat> figuring out a way to like just drop them from harnesses and cranes and rent it for a weekend for 500 bucks would be like a viable business model
1: it would be but then where do you put them and like who's yeah, who's doing it uh, that said yeah. you know most of these companies that sell this kind of stuff four wheel camper AT Overland Skinny Guy they're not uh, they're, they're working with like companies like Mainland Mainline Overland or uh, OK Four Wheel Drive or whatever like they have they have uh, retailers all across the country, so you could see a model like that where it's like, yeah, come up, put this thing on here, we'll go. But it's also not quite that easy, right? Like especially yeah. on something like these, you gotta uh, the bigger skinny guy. Like they basically need to bolt in bolt, yeah. like a system inside. Even yeah. even though you can take it on and off when you're done. Um, but you know, if I was giving awards for the show, like that from an engineering standpoint, like they've got, they've got it. Like they've they've got everything short of air conditioning in there and it's right into the i mean there's diesel heaters if you want it there's there's shower there's cooking situations like it's 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 just from a guy that likes origami folding like i'm like that's it like
0: they've really figured it out cool what was sleeping in your on top of your porsche like <laughs> I, I saw you describe what driving it was like you lost a little fuel mileage not a big deal we've expected that but
1: like. so all right i'll, I'll give you the my version of a short story of the, of the, of the rooftop 10 on a nine 11. <laughs> so I've thought about doing it for a while. Cause I'm like waiting on a truck and also have all this weird financial guilt about owning a sports car, not from like a moral sense, but just from a like, man, I could do so much stuff if I just sold this car and I, this car only really does one thing, which is like, be cool going fast. It and it uh yeah and it does turn very well it turns out uh that porsche is good at that but uh a friend of mine uh knew somebody at GoFast campers that was like hey they have a bunch of the super lights which was a product they launched i want to say three or four years ago that at the time was the world's lightest rooftop tent and then because of uh supply chain issues during the pandemic they weren't able to keep making them I've looked on and off uh since they had sold those for years and like I think the MSRP when they sold them was like nine eight hundred nine hundred bucks so it was pretty cheap uh and uh you know now you can't find one for less than a couple grand because they'd only made it whatever anyway my friend called me and said hey they've got a few that's like new old stock that like either had like small defects that they couldn't sell or, you know, something got, you know, whatever. And he's like, I'm sending these out to a few automotive journalists just to like, let them try them out. And he's like, uh, you know, I'm not an automotive journalist, but I know that world. And, uh, he was like, you know, if you, if you think you could do something with it, we can, we can ship you one. And I was like, well, I'm putting on the nine eleven. Like it's like that's the universe <laughs> telling me I gotta do this. And uh while I am not the first guy to put a rooftop tent on a nine eleven, there's uh famously uh nine nine six 996 road trip i believe is the instagram handle there's a guy that has put a a fold out uh like soft side uh, rooftop tent on his 996 for the last five years and taken it out and he beats the hell out of that 996 too it's it's awesome he (laughs) takes it all sorts of places uh and then on while this was all coming together porsche announced that they were selling eye campers as like a Porsche approved, you know, whatever. So any last worries I had, and I didn't have a ton of worries about like weight, uh, were dispelled where I'm like, this is totally fine. This rooftop tent, it's poly two polycarbonate panels that are held together with like the tent system. There's the only metal in the thing is the aluminum rails underneath. So I bought the track down an OEM roof rack, threw it on there, got the tent out here, uh, and instantly was like the rails are too wide for the rack because <laughs> the rack in the back, especially on the nine 11 is like, I think it's 33 inches or something. It's real skinny. And so I, uh, uh, go fast actually sent me, they have an adapter kit for just this situation, just a couple of plate steel, like standoffs got that, that was too small. So then I spent like two weeks catting up a, uh, mount, uh, that I 3d printed a prototype, put it on the the rails. It was perfect. I like first print ever. I was like, I had gotten it perfectly nailed. It's the most intricate thing i probably ever made. Took it to a friend of mine that has a, a machine shop and was like, all right, I know this is gonna cost me a lot of money, but like how much would this cost to mill up in aluminum? And he's like, well, where are your step files? And I'm like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> he's like, yeah, you can't just make a 3d print model and then send it to, you know, to get it uh CNC out, metal. He's like, and then he was quoting me prices. It was going to cost me like another, I don't know, three, 400 bucks, even with him helping me out a little bit just to get these things. Didn't do that. I finally spent one day, I had almost lost my nerve, but I was like, dude, you're so close. Like just follow through. And I ended up basically, jerry-rigging, like a couple of pieces of acrylic and another piece of uh, sheet plate that I got cut send, uh, send, cut, send uh, to send to me. And I got it all hooked up and I did the the classic test, which is I grabbed the side of the tent and I shook the car uh, on the uh, with it. And, you know, it's kind of hard to tell on a sports car. Did the suspension <laughs> doesn't move as much, but it was like, it seemed good. So then I drove around for about a week just on the back roads around here and it didn't fall off. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'm gonna do it. So then I got nervous. This whole thing was an exercise in anxiety for me, which I realized most of camping trucks, all of this stuff is like just ways I work through my anxiety (laughs)
0: issues.
1: (laughs) And I was like, I'm gonna take this big long road trip. That didn't happen. And then Overland East was coming together and I was like, I'll just run down to Overland East. It's like 500 miles, both directions. And then my anxiety hit me, I was like, how many people here are going to hate me? <laughs> like <laughs> how many people are going to be like you asshole, like showing up to our thing in a nine 11. It's and funny. Just
0: like, uh, be able to laugh at themselves. Come on.
1: The trip was mostly highway. It was fine. I got, I got on it a little bit towards the end. There was some nice back roads once I started getting <laughs> near the Smokies. Uh, but you know, nothing, nothing too crazy. Uh, I pulled in to, as I was pulling into Overland Expo to that estate, the very first person I saw that I made eye contact with was pulling out in some built, actually a big built sprinter, and he like told me to roll down my window and he was like, dude, yes, like, (laughs) yes. He's like, you off-road that thing? And I was like, well, about as much as I'm going to when I pull onto this gravel road. And he's like, dude, yes, awesome. (laughs) so fast forward you know i spent most of the show away from the car like going around talking to people and shooting videos and doing all that stuff and i came back to my neighbors uh at the campsite and uh they were like no joke all we've done today is sit here and watch people walk up to your car take pictures talk to each other they're like no joke we think probably at least 500 people have taken pictures of this car (laughs) all day not a single person that when i was there that talked to me about it was was rude or mean everybody was nice and i realized a couple things that was funny one it's good community they they get it they you know they're just enjoying enthusiast stuff and then the other thing is wait my car is a sixty thousand dollar car And I'm parked next to several hundred thousand dollar like land cruisers and several $200,000 like big crazy custom built things. I'm like, nobody thinks I'm, they may think I'm a dipshit, but nobody (laughs) thinks I'm like trying to show off too much here. And people got it. People were like, it's cool that you did it at all. As far as the experience, it's a rooftop tent, it's fine. It's just like sleeping in any other rooftop tent, except, you know, you're four feet off the ground instead of, you know, six, seven, eight feet off the ground. Uh, I will say the super light for me is a little on the small side. Uh, like I had, to, if Crystal would have been with me, it would have been a little awkward, but, um, and not dissing GoFast or, or the super light in the least. Like I appreciate them uh, sending one out to me. And also it, it's a nice design. It's like, it's very, very simple and elegant, but you know, it's like sleeping in a tent is sleeping in a tent when it's all said and done. Uh, the only difficult part for me was I had one of those. You'll see a million of them if you ever do any off-road rooftop tent stuff. It's just one of those cheap Chinese telescoping ladders is what I had. And the the frunk of the 911 was too small to be able to even fit that in, except like at a weird wedged angle, even when it was completely built down. So, of course, I immediately came home and was like, how do i get a like do i how do i make a perfectly sized like tiny ladder tiny ladder that goes into it really a step stool would probably have been enough i even tried to wedge my foot into the rear wheel well to like jump up you know use the tire as a, as a step like i do on a truck Put
0: a whale wing that's off yeah but i like, couldn't
1: quite get it in there uh, it, it's i, I it was both everything I hoped it would be, and also like immediately on the way home, I was like, This thing's coming off. This is annoying. This just is like everybody's staring at me. I had tons, <laughs> I had more attention for the 911 with the 10 on it than I've ever had just driving oh, the 911. Yeah. yeah. And that part was really, really fun. But what I had to stop myself just this is like talk, looking at the TerraPod and all this stuff. It's like I came home completely of two minds. On one, I was like, Get all this shit off of here. Like I got to get my sports car back into being a sports car. And then the other side was, well, what if I spent like five or six grand really like getting this where I could leave all this gear on permanently and turn this into like a cool little like I'll build a duct air duct system and then a. Uh, a friend of mine on twitter was like well you know you could probably build a venturi tunnel like they do on f1 cars that has like a you know where the air being forced underneath the tent onto between the roof would start to give you down force and i'm like <laughs> i know just enough about aerodynamics to understand that what you're talking about but i have no idea if you're actually right or not but it was a super cool experience i'm glad i did it uh i i'm probably gonna rig up something in the garage here where i can just kind of just like a cheap pulley and yeah. like be able to pick it up pull it down although you know the super light is light enough that it was awkward because i had to like hold it on my back and kind of hold it like this but i i could put it on and off the rails entirely by myself i didn't need anybody could you else get to get one do
0: of it. those narrow solos onto it it's probably I'm... too long
1: no it's fine i mean it's all long like it's already yeah. three quarters of the length of the car yeah. like uh if i was gonna keep it on permanently that's what i'd do I would. Yeah. I would get. Well, they also. A I was looking version. at their
0: site. Somebody made a wall mount for it because it's such light aluminum. Yeah, you could just like cl- click it to a wall, which is pretty cool.
1: The the wow. eternal critique from people, and people even said this because I wrote up the 9/11 for the and, and some of the other little tweaks i have made for the utopian the only criticism and it's what people always say about overlanding and they're not wrong was wouldn't it be cheaper and just about as nice and easy if you just had a ground tent and a sleeping bag and i'm like (laughs) well yes it would be but it wouldn't be dumb and i like to do dumb things uh but it's 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 real close and if i uh if i had the balls slash the money i i could totally see trying to turn this car into not an overlander because i'm never going to do safari off-road lifted any of that stuff but a mile eating like i can just go with this thing uh but but this is super nerdy and but this is this is where i'll stop the one thing though that did instantly snap back into my head was for me and part of the reason i like these toppers is that Overlanding and long road trips involves sleeping in weird places. You're not <laughs> always out in beautiful vistas and in Instagram moments. Like a lot of times you are behind that bed, bath and beyond, or you yeah. are like in a Walmart parking lot or whatever. And I will cop to on the night down cause I hit weather. And so the first like 150 miles was real slow. And it was also the first time I've been going and I got, fairly far in. And I was like, well, you know, this would be where you pull into a rest stop and crawl into the tent and go. And I just was like, how about a super eight? <laughs>
0: I'm going to sleep inside <laughs> tonight."
1: And, uh, and for me on the actual long trips, like, I don't know that I would feel that comfortable sleeping in a rooftop tent in a nine 11 at a rest stop and where like, you know, I'm at eye level in a tent with people like that can just walk up and people do when you, even in these big rigs I've had, will just come up and be like, hey, what's that thing? Like, what you doing up there? What are you using you in there? And it's like, I don't know how I feel about that. I want that feeling of like, I'm in my little tomb. But uh yeah, man, it was, it was great. It was super cool. I got tons of positive feedback about it. I'm gonna focus on all my interior road trip stuff next, like some electronics and some quality of life things inside. Um, and I am getting, my wheels powder coated this week and I'm getting some all seasons thrown on so I can keep uh, running Are you through block the out? winter. No, I'm going gold. Oh, uh, rad. Portion work continues. Like it's all on a timer now, right? Like it's,
0: it's funny. It's funny how like, since we know this dumb social media industry, like we've been steeped in it for 20 years when you, when you do something and you go, I can pivot my whole life into being this guy on Instagram. If I really want, like I got a golden retriever and I was like, My God, people just are so effusive with the compliments of how cute my dog is. This could be my job if I wanted it to be, but it's not a very fun job. And I've never, yeah. I I enjoy this Porsche could be like your entire brand if you wanted it to be. It
1: could be, it could be. But you know, what's funny is I shot some TikTok videos, uh, largely for my day job, which is to say like, I never really mess around with TikTok that much. And I was like, well, you know, sometimes when I'm working with a client or whatever, I need to be like, well, here's, you know, what TikTok would be here or whatever. And uh, one, man, great app, like video editing stuff, super powerful, really fun to shoot, but also uh, it takes a lot of work. And it made me realize that as much as I like to think I'm, you know, Mr. Internet guy, because that's how I started my career. it doesn't take long to remind myself that when I started my early blogging career or whatever, I was spending 18 hours a day making content. And I don't know that I, I like making content still, but I don't know that I like it 18 hours a day. And so, yeah, it's like, I have had that thought. I I'm still too, uh, you know, Craving <laughs> approval from random strangers on the internet is still a huge part of my personality. And so there have been times where I'm like, yeah, do I just make this like, I'm going to make the <laughs> cyberpunk 911? that's like all of this stuff or whatever. And I'm probably going to still do that stuff and I'll make content to do it. But when I think about like, well, if I wanted to make money with this or make it be a thing, I'd have to make... A video a day, or I'd have to yeah, do this, yeah. and I'm like,
0: Ugh, and you have man. to like come up with products. Like, it's funny watching all these off-road influencers who have a store, and it's like trinkets, or some, you know, it's just shirts and logos at first, but then sometimes they partner with someone who's a weird engineer and made some small little thing. Yeah. It's like we're really we do, we do seat risers, and they're like, okay, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a niche. No, I love <laughs> it.
1: I mean, I, I I'm happy for everybody else that's that's doing it, but yeah, I I definitely am like. The, the, I'll leave it here because this is not truck, truck related, but like uh, the funny thing about being at the point in life and at the financial station I am in life, which is like I still got to work. I don't have enough money to retire or anything like that, but I don't have so much money either that I get to have more than like one toy at a time. Yeah. And ever since we started doing this podcast and everything I've been from day one, I've been like, what truck am I going to buy? And what, uh, and what, you know, and when am I getting rid of the nine 11 and I'm running into this funny thing, just like Jeep guys and Hellcat guys and all this stuff where I'm like, when I sell this car, realistically, it's probably the last one I'll ever get to own. And and i don't i still don't think i'm going to be able to keep it if i want to replace it with a new truck or something it's it's got to be one in one out but Mm -hmm. it has the the rooftop tent foray made me feel really good because it it made me go one if you just get over your anxiety issues you can still have fun and do dumb things and two it's like all these ideas i have for the porsche which now i remember that while it's all makery diy crap I'm not an engineer, but I'm like, just do them. Just do them. Just do them before you get rid of this. Because once it's, once it's gone, you probably can never afford another one and like enjoy it to the maximum. And also like you get to be the guy that like drove through a big muddy field. It wasn't muddy. It was starting to get muddy, but it was like, it's like, just use it. That's what cool is. Cool is whatever you have with a, whether it's a, you know, it's just like, that's, that's the lesson for me on all this stuff is you can have whatever you want. You can do whatever you want, but don't have garage Queens. Like you are not a garage queen guy, like whatever you get, just use the crap out of it. And one of the benefits of being a middle-aged man is if I wreck it, then I have insurance and (laughs) and someone will write me a check and I'll go, oops, and it'll be all done. But it's like, there's no excuses anymore. Just use the stuff.
0: If you've ever been to a local drag strip, that's, it's run with you, run what you brung mentality. And you see, you watch minivans, drag racing, mustangs all night. And it's fun as hell Mm -hmm. Uh, because yeah, I really love that energy. Uh, At the Overland Expo West, like there was a, rally, a safari rally Porsche, you know, and with a wack, wicked paint job. And I was taking photos and there three other people taking photos. Like in the parking lot is just an attendee. And like, yeah, they're like, yeah, people love that shit. Um, we got to wrap up because I got to take off. Uh, yeah, me too. Any last things? that I saw that Ford Transit did. <laughs> they're going to yeah. make a trail edition of their Transit van. It's I just have a already, teaser of I nothing. have already
1: sent up the flares. Like I don't, yeah. I don't have any. I mean, I have friends at Ford, but I don't have friends at Ford who are going to jeopardize their jobs to tell me secrets <laughs> right. uh the uh well
0: it comes it says information comes out in november yeah which is fine it's uh, just a teaser
1: i i i think the next one uh, <laughs> if we do our once a month podcast uh <laughs> it'll be our next one but yeah that that somebody texted me that this morning and i was like Oh no! Like there's another thing that I kind of want, but I'm, uh, yeah. It's
0: funny. It's probably it's probably just a wilderness edition, like the way Subarus and Toyotas are coming out with like a little bit of chunky tires, some black plastic cladding, maybe the all-wheel drive is tweaked a little. It'll have
1: it'll have like yeah, different transmission mapping for the all-wheel drive. It'll have some. Uh, places more places to plug things in. Yeah, uh, it'll have some hard black plastic. <laughs> it'll probably that... be
0: slightly finished inside because people are so used to like that's right. I think metal. it'll it'll be a little because a a stock transit can't is go, just the they can't unibody. go hundred thousand dollar outside vans yet from a factory. It's probably going to be some middle ground of like product, a weekender. The
1: product planner in me is like. You, you brilliant bastard! It's like yes, yeah, yeah. like you are. This is gonna sell a bunch more, like just That's from the, putting trail yeah. on
0: it. I've watched in the car industry for. 50 years oh, come out with a car you see what the edges of car culture are doing with your car and then you try to pull that in as next year's corporate car it's like it's yep. crazy and that just becomes what the mainline product is and i'm surprised to see a, a major manufacturer like capture like the vibe on instagram and make a product out of it that's gonna be great to be like they're probably just gonna say it's just it's not a camper it's just like a weekend it's a tent on wheels that's probably all they're gonna shoot for like, uh, we'll it's probably see. gonna be Seats that turn into a bed or something.
1: I we will talk about it another time. It's probably far enough past now that, that I can talk about it, but I had pitched to Ford at one point, like building a one-off. I had an idea for a camper van out of a transit and they were, they were open to it. And then I life got in the way I lost my nerve. There was a bunch of things, but like, Ford's been thinking about what to do with the transit and the outdoor space for a while, so it doesn't it doesn't shock me that they're. uh, It must disappoint them
0: to sell a stripped one for thirty three (laughs) grand to an outfitter that flips it for a hundred and thirty three. Like they do that all day, and they're like, "Well, what if we made what if we made an eighty thousand dollar one that was already done? You didn't have to wait a year and pay some guy in Portland with a beard to do it for you." I
1: I do think that's the. That'll be the question on the on the transit trail, I guess is yeah. what they're calling it. Is is this a forty thousand dollars one that has a couple of little extra, you know, niceties, or is this a ninety thousand yeah. dollars trim that's like got a bed and the whole thing, or is it all of it? I mean, knowing Ford lately, how many versions of the Bronco are there? Six, seven. Yeah. Like yeah. they may go from the bottom all the way up, and yeah, like. Uh, that that's gonna be that's gonna be a good one I'm looking forward to that announcement yeah. and uh, and then talking about it probably somewhere around February or March of 2023 when we record our next podcast
0: <laughs> right well it's been good uh, we all had good summers and uh, yeah we'll try to record more often <laughs> all right man I'll see you all later right. see ya